This is Sophie Wilson, and you are listening to the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast. Welcome to episode eight of the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast. This is Linus Wilson. I had the pleasure of speaking Jesse Zavelnkink. Many of you know her as Jess of Jess and Kate in the Cruising Outpost series about their travels on the Great Loop around the United States and also into the Bahamas. She did that voyage with her friend Kate, who was not on the interview, and Kate's dog in a 27-foot sailboat uh, between 2013 and 2014. The last article of Jess and Kate's trip and cruising outpost appeared in the most recent edition. In that edition, I also have an article called Rescued by Dolphins. Not as much front page news, but it was certainly an interesting part of the very early parts of my 2014-2015 trip to the Bahamas that's detailed in Slow Boat to the Bahamas. And I think that really highlights how up-to-date my book Slow Boat to the Bahamas is relative to a lot of things that are out there. So one of the things that I was dissatisfied when I was reading a lot of narratives of people uh, who had sailed in interesting places was that they were so far out of date, so far out of date with the current technology that faces us, so out of date with the markers, the buoys, the what's going on in terms of the actual places. And you'll find that there's a lot of detail in Slow Boat to the Bahamas that is not in the cruising guides because unfortunately, cruising guide authors just cannot afford to visit all the places in the cruising guides every year. And so while I think Slow Boat to the Bahamas is is a funny, fun book and it's a fun ride as uh, some have characterized it, including Bob Bitchin of Cruising Outpost, who was gracious enough to provide an endorsement for it. I think it's also really invaluable reading and very inexpensive relative to any cruising guide if you're thinking of visiting places like Bimini, Nassau, the Exumas. So I I think it's well worth uh, the the price for the Kindle edition uh, to check it out on Amazon. And there's a link to the book on my website, slowboatsailing.com. One of the reasons why I was so interested in Jess and Kate's story is that their trip mirrored a lot of the trip in Slow Boat to the Bahamas. So I believe that Slow Boat to the Bahamas would be a great resource for anybody moving their boat along the Gulf Coast of Florida, taking the Great Loop route from Mobile, Alabama to Miami, and especially people that are interested in doing Keys cruise because we went up and down the Florida Keys as part of the trip. And of course, there aren't many books about the wonderful sailing grounds of Lake Pontchartrain and the Mississippi Sound. I had the pleasure of speaking to Trey Benefield of Blue Moon Adventures. Trey had bought a boat in St. Martin and sailed all the way uh, to Australia and then sold the boat as part of his plan because you can sell a boat for a lot more in Australia than you can buy it for in the Eastern Caribbean and the United States. 
I'm going to release those podcasts over the coming months because I had a very long conversation with him, probably in, in several episodes, not necessarily together because he had a long trip and it was a very interesting and eventful trip that he made primarily with his college-aged daughter. Trey offered listeners of this podcast a $200 discount per person off for any trip that you booked with his charter company, Blue Moon Adventures. The goal at Blue Moon Adventures is to share the love of the sea, the islands, and the islands culture. They prepare custom adventure itineraries on sailing yachts to tropical destinations worldwide. Check out their upcoming trips at bluemoonadv.com. Contact them today to plan the journey of a lifetime. They've organized cruises of as little as a week in luxurious sailing catamarans in exotic cruising grounds such as the Society Islands, Tahiti, Bora Bora, Raiatea, the Whitsunday Islands in Australia, or St. Martin in the Eastern Caribbean. No sailing experience or certifications are necessary, but these trips are sure to be a once-in-a-lifetime experience, regardless of whether you have zero or 100,000 miles under your keel. Listeners of the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast can get a discount of $200 per person by mentioning that they have heard about Blue Moon Adventures on the podcast. Contact Captain Trey Benefield, Blue Moon Adventures, www.bluemoonadv.com or Trey at bluemoonadv.com or iPhone 865-310-8562. Jenna, Sophie and I have had the pleasure of chartering boats and Besides being just a really fun experience and uh, wonderful memories, I think it's money ahead if you're contemplating either upgrading or buying a cruising boat because it teaches you so much about what you want in a cruising boat and what you don't want and what you want to avoid. So I think it's a great investment to do some charters before you get the big boat. Without further ado, let's talk to Jesse of Kate and Jess on a Boat. I, you know, I, I followed, of course, your, your series and Cruising Outpost and enjoyed it a cool. lot. Yeah. And, and I think a, a lot of people that listen to this podcast also followed it. When did you start sure. sailing? Um, I guess if I'm starting from the beginning... Um, it kind of all dates back to, as a child, my family took sailing trips up to Canada. Every summer, we would spend a week or two taking the boat up to the North Channel and Georgian Bay. And um, it was just my sister and myself, my mom and dad. And my dad owns, still owns a Pearson Invicta 37. I never really cared about sailing, to be honest with you. I was always just like along for the ride kind of counting down the hours till I could get on, get in the water, get on land and go play and never really cared much for sailing, mostly because my sister did. And like, I didn't want to do anything that she did. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so your sister um, is the big sailor. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, she was when we were kids, and then she ended up being the one that got seasick. I never got seasick, and then I kind of turned into <laughs> the one who started to live an adventurous life, and she didn't. And, and she did all um, the dinghy sailing? What's that? Your sister did all the dinghy sailing? Exactly, yeah. What kind yeah. of dinghy did you guys have? Um, I think she had a laser at one point. Maybe we may have had a little Hobie cat at one point. Um, but mostly I was just exposed to boat life and cruising from taking these sailing trips with my family when I was little. But I had literally never sailed a boat by myself until I bought Louise, the boat we traveled on. I had never known or cared about how you actually get a boat, a sailboat from A to B. <laughs> So the, to be honest with you, by the t when we when Katie and I left, our experience was minimal, very very minimal. I was very comfortable on boats; they didn't scare me. It felt natural, but I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. I just something in me knew that I would be fine and figure it out. How old were you when you guys bought Louise? Uh, twenty three. So what kind of boat is Louise? It's a Cal twenty seven, uh, nineteen seventy nine. How much did you guys buy it for? We bought it for thirty five hundred bucks. All right. Yeah, and we probably put five into it before we left. What What were like the essentials you guys worked on? Oh gosh, a little bit of everything. Teared off everything on the outside, stanchions. We rebutted. We, you know, sanded and repainted the bottom. We tore out everything on the inside, all the wood. Re Revarnished the inside. Tore out the heading, the, the vinyl liner, sanded that and painted that. I had to do several things to the engine, replace the alternator. Oh, gosh. I, I don't really remember at the time what we had to do the engine. Most of the engine work happened along the way when it kept breaking. <laughs> but um, Were your parents a big help in that? Did they help with any of it? My dad, huge, yeah. Not financially, no, but um, helping hands and yeah, his wisdom, absolutely. Yeah, couldn't have done it without him. My mom was not no, so much in the picture. She is remarried. She was living in Seattle at the time. So she wasn't really there uh, witnessing everything that was going on. She wasn't not supportive. She just was physically not there. You guys started in the Great Lakes, is that right? Yeah, we started up in Northport, Michigan. Up in Traverse Bay. Okay. And you're in Michigan right now? Correct. You're originally from Michigan? Yep, yep. I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Now, I think when I read the thing that it was either you and or Kate went and got your captain's license after that. Yeah, Katie did. Okay. All right. So you're not so interested in uh, making money delivering boats or anything like that? not interested i just have a lot going on right now and it wasn't something i felt like investing in unless i was 100 percent. that's that's where i wanted to go and um i don't know i felt like i just I, I have the experience i'm happy with at the moment and i'm trying to kind of fulfill other things at the moment yeah you know my personal feeling is that it you're not going to make much money if you devote yourself to a career in sailing Right, right. <laughs> and I just didn't feel like getting a captain's license was going to get me anywhere that I wasn't already. 
Right. And, and the other thing is that if sailing starts becoming your career, that kind of changes it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. I, I have nothing. I, I agree that you should, uh, you know, pursue a career that you love I uh, in a subject you love. But it still uh, ceases to be a leisure activity. Right. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I liked your trip because it did a lot of, I kind of did some of the great loop portion of the trip too, when I went to the yeah. Bahamas in 2015. So maybe we were in the Bahamas in 2015 at the same time. I think probably if we overlap, we probably overlapped in Key West. Yeah. And I, we were there 2014. Two, okay. 2014. Yeah. Okay. So we All were right. a little ahead of you. It seemed like you had a lot of trouble in the Bahamas. <laughs> we did it was amazing though <laughs> so where did you go, guys go in the Bahamas so we crossed over to Bimini from Coconut Grove Miami and um, hung out there for a little bit and then crossed over to the Berry Islands Chub Key we ended up having to get our transmission replaced in Chub Key so we were there for <laughs> better half of a month if not a full month and then passed through Nassau and I uh, went down the Exumas and just went as far south as Daniel Key. Absolutely loved it there. We anchored out there for two weeks <laughs> and then um, kind of backtracked back to the States the same way. Well, it sounds like you guys had a pretty good trip. How long did you spend in the Bahamas? It was about three months. Oh, that's, that's not bad at all. No, so I, great. I guess you probably didn't want to spend as much time in Chub Key as you, you wanted to, but... It allows you to, allows <laughs> you know, you to meet ended, more people. It ended, and... up, it ended up being a really great place to be kind of broken down and stuck. We met some really awesome people there. What was the most difficult part of the trip for you guys or for you? Um, just constant, like, troubleshooting and not having the answers to questions. You know, every day it was, like, your goal is to get from – point a to point b you don't really know if you're ever going to get there you don't really know what's going to happen in those hours <laughs> every day it was something new um you know some days were perfect and some days were hell <laughs> and um you know in in the bahamas and in canada for example not being able to just kind of pick up the make a phone call or uh, look something up when something broke, um, you're just kind of at the mercy of your own knowledge and your own patience and sitting there and working things out yourself, which, you know, in retrospect is a huge blessing. I mean, you spend time doing things that you would not typically spend time doing. And because of that, you learn a lot. <laughs> so it was pretty cool, actually. But in the moment, frustrating. Um, you know, you don't just call mechanic or a plumber or an electrician or a whatever like you would when you're at your house um so you're kind of forced to become all sorts of different people besides that i don't know i mean it was just it was a challenge you know it was a good solid challenge so i guess in the bahamas you probably did not have access to like uh, cellular data you didn't you didn't have anything you could use that was very ETC. slim very very slim we had um a little bit a small data plan on katie's ipad 
but it was very restricted and pretty rare that it was even good enough to pick up weather, you know? Right. Okay. So we were kind of flying by the seat of our pants in the Bahamas as far as weather went. Um, got into some interesting situations, nothing life or death, but just, you know, to the point where we were scared, but we were fine. Um, most of our information was just coming from other boaters. We'd talked to other people, you know, there's tons of yachts and all sorts of stuff down there. So we were just dingy over and talk to people or call people on the radio or pull into a marina if there was one, whatever it was. We just kind of, most of our information was secondhand. Well, that, that allows you to meet more people. Exactly. Yeah, it did. It did. We met a lot of great people that way. My experience when we were in the Bahamas was that we were some of the youngest people, and I'm not. I'm not very young. I'm. I guess I'm middle aged. I'm forty. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, That's young. That's young for the cruising community. That is right. <laughs> so was that uh, your experience too? Absolutely. Yeah. It. It was actually mind blowing. Um, after two years passed, and we realized how rare we were, and that was a weird. That's a weird thing because when we took off, you know, we never once thought like we were going to be these unique creatures. And the more our time that passed, it was just like, holy crap. We were literally the only two people under 30, just friends. Two girls that are friends traveling on a 27 foot sailboat. It was just like we were aliens, you know? <laughs> It was really interesting. Well, I, I think, you know, obviously that's part of why that your story is, I think, compelling to Cruising Outpost. Yeah, yeah. And it's unusual. Um, it but is you guys unusual, are great writers and great photographers, too. We met some young people in the Keys and some young people in the Bahamas, um, but it was still really rare, and it was really special when we did meet those people. That's true. Uh, a lot of the liveaboards are a lot younger. Yeah. In Key West, not in the Bahamas. In Key exactly. West. Yeah. yeah, in the Keys. Yeah. A lot of people live aboard whether their boat actually functions or not. Right. It's just kind of like a house. <laughs> it's a lesson. Well, I don't know. You know, Key West is, I don't think is that expensive to live in, especially if you're living in Stock Island. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we lived. It was great. We loved Stock Island. So Stock Island is basically it's attached to Key West. It, it, maybe there's a couple bridges that connect it, but for yes, those that haven't visited, so. it's basically an extension of Key West. I guess I was interested in the other parts of the route that you did kind of overlap mine. I, I noticed that you did the Big Bend and you didn't do that all in one go, that you, you stopped at the port. Yes, yes. And two reasons. That was really the first time that we were about to be sailors. We sailed down Lake Michigan with some friends when we left, unstepped the mast, shipped it to Mobile, and for over two months, we were a powerboat, you know? <laughs> so we really had that dialed in, and then all of a sudden, we're, we're supposed to be sailors now. We wanted to make the shortest hops possible. We didn't care to do, like, this huge crossing because we were nervous. We had the dog with us that still at this point would not go to the bathroom on the boat. We tried everything we could. So the last thing we wanted was to keep this dog on the boat for 30 hours without, you know, being able to go to the bathroom. What is the name of the dog? Reggie. Reggie. And, and yep. is Reggie still with one of you two? 
Yeah, Reggie is Katie's dog, and um, he's nine and a half years old. She's had him since high school. You port hopped. Uh, what ports did you go along we in the went, big band? We went from um, Dog Island, just off of Carabao. Okay. To Cedar Key. Cedar Key was awesome. Uh, we loved it. It's tricky getting in and out of. You kind of have to time it with the tides because it's really shallow, and there's no there's no provi- I mean, there's no marina there. There's no facility to pull your boat up and dock and get fuel or any of that. So I think a lot of people don't go because of that reason. I thought they had public uh, docks there, though. I, I don't think they do. They have no. a boat launch? Is that it? Um, I think for smaller boats, but not that a sailboat could get into. Two. Okay. I, I I just was looking at I, the charts or the guides, and I thought there was some some kind of water access, maybe just by dinghy. It, yeah, I think it's just by dinghy. As far as I'm remembering, there was nowhere, no dock to pull into, pull up to. Okay. There's this big pier with restaurants and shops on it, um, but not facilitating to docking. Okay, so you could maybe pull up there for lunch if you had a kind of cruising boat, but... Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, there are some floating docks, but they're like for dinghies and fishing boats and whatnot. Okay. So the restaurants don't have like docks big enough for a cruising boat or anything like that? Not really, no. No. Okay. Uh, so we stayed there for a few days, met some really awesome people there. and um, I thought Cedar next... Key looked awesome. I, I really wanted to stop. Yeah. I just was worried that I wouldn't have the weather to stay. Right, right. No, the anchorage was fine, actually. We just anchored right outside of, um, right outside the little town, the wooden pier with all the restaurants and stuff. There's a few boats anchored out there. Our anchor did end up getting stuck on an oyster trap, and it took us (laughs) hours to get up. (laughs) We pulled up an entire oyster trap, old one, that had been just rusted. It's not very deep there, right? No, not very deep. What is what is the depth uh, there? Like five feet or? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It had to have been at least five. We were we're four and a half, and we made it in. The anchorage was a little bit deeper, eight maybe. Okay, so then from Cedar Key, where did you go? Cedar Key, we hopped down to Crystal River, and that was also a full day. I think that was like fifty-five or sixty miles. And was that Wilderness River? Yes, I believe so. Um, it's where you can go swim with the manatees, and it's really cool. There was lots and lots of boats in there. Um, you also have to time that entrance with the tide a little bit. We ran aground on our way out. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I once guess... you get in, once you get through the channel and up the river, it's plenty deep. Yeah, I I guess that's what worries me and maybe other boaters about kind of port hopping uh, along yeah. the, the coast is that you could really run aground pretty easily even even if you have a pretty shallow draft boat like a trawler yeah. or a, a shallow yeah draft you definitely sailboat. can and like i definitely understand why people skip that area of florida it's probably easier to just hop across over to tarpon springs but um i'm really glad we did it that way because we had some really cool times in both of those places cedar key and crystal river did you go to the keys or did you go through the locks in the Okeechobee we waterway? Um, we made it on Fort Myers Beach and stopped and worked in restaurants for four months. And then when we left Fort Myers, we went through Lake Okeechobee and it took us about five days to cross the state through that waterway. All right. And that 
I guess your your mass is not too tall, so you didn't have any of the problems. It was not that a lot too of... tall. Nope. I think it's a fifty-five foot clearance or forty-eight or something. Don't mark my words for that. I don't remember. But our mass is about thirty-eight. You know, I admire you guys doing the tom tom. I think you guys must be really good boat handlers in tight situations. We figured it out by that point. Yeah, yeah. No, we had it down. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, you... you know, we made we made our mistakes, but. Yeah. The greatest part about it is at the end of every day when you're sitting and talking with every boater, um, it really didn't make a difference that we had the least boating experience because come to find out, every one of us is making the same mistakes, you know, and laughing about it at the end of the day. So that was cool. Yeah, so you guys were probably pretty good by the time you got to the Okeechobee Waterway. Did you have any, it sounds like it was pretty uneventful, the canals were pretty easy. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was beautiful actually lake okeechobee was very interesting and odd and um tons of wildlife manatees alligators dolphins birds i mean it was just it was really neat actually i was glad we took that way is there a lot of cypress there or or is it different type of swamp um i'm not certain i'm not so not a lot of trees not a lot of trees no so that's not like maybe the sections of the panhandle of Florida. There's a lot of cypress swamps there. Right. No, it's definitely a little different than that. So you came back from the Bahamas, and then you went south down the Keys, and you spent a long time in Key West, uh, most of it Correct. working. And then, yep. so by that time, how many years have you been on this trip? Um. So let me see. <laughs> Gosh, when we got back from the Bahamas, it was July, mid-July, and that was still our fir- in our first year. It was hurricane season. Our boat had kind of broken down again. We got back to Fort Lauderdale and decided, let's take a few months and just come back to this. Need a little break. <laughs> <laughs> so we left the boat in Fort Lauderdale, and um, we both ended up going to work again for a little bit. And um, met back in Fort Lauderdale that following Christmas. So let's say this is December 2014 now. Right. Uh, Spent about a month in Fort Lauderdale fixing the issues that we had left. Some engine work needed to be done. And then we sailed down to the Keys and lived in Stock Island and worked in Stock Island for a few months on the boat. All right, and so you left the Keys in when? In left 2000? the Keys in spring of 2014. Spring of, tw- okay, so, so maybe, you sure it's not 2015? Yeah. It's 2015? 14. Two thousand. So when you were in Fort Lauderdale, it was 2013? Correct. Okay, so you went to the Bahamas about in 2013. Uh, yes. Okay. Sorry. All right. So, so from 2014, so when you left the Keys, how far did you go? It took us five months to get from the Keys home to Northern Michigan. So we did that in one. Wow. That's a lot of miles. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was. (laughs) So you guys were, you were bound and determined you were not stopping anywhere, basically. Well, we had taken, we had already turned our trip from one year to two years, and um, we just kind of kept running into either money issues or boat issues. And we finally decided, like, all right, if we're going to finish the Great Loop this year, 
you know, we have summer and a little bit of fall to get to Michigan before it's too cold. Um, so when we left the Keys, um, yeah, it was our goal to complete the loop. And I think it was end of April, beginning of May that we left. We got back to Michigan September 4th, 2014. Yeah, I guess you had the, you had the winter weather looming. Exactly, exactly. But um, every single day of that five months, we talked about turning around. <laughs> and just stay, <laughs> staying in Florida? Not even Florida. Uh, it's funny, actually. Neither <laughs> We were both ready to get out of Florida. Okay. <laughs> but um, I don't know. We love the Carolinas. Love the Carolinas and the Outer Banks. And um, the East Coast really surprised us, to be honest with you. When we first left for the trip, Neither of us had a goal to complete the Great Loop. Our goal was, let's go to the Bahamas. We didn't really know what we were going to do after that. Um, Finishing the Great Loop was always a conversation. It was always a possible goal. But for some reason, neither of us were that appealed to boating up the East Coast. And, um... You know, there's there's such this draw to going farther south and doing the Caribbean and getting down to the BVIs and whatnot. And it all changed after that first year because we met and traveled with so many other loopers, so many other people that were doing the Great Loop. And, and um, because of those people, we were like, you know what? If we go up the East Coast, we can stop and visit these people. We can see these people. We just had this itinerary of friends that could kind of felt like family at this point and um we just thought we gotta we gotta do the circle doing the circle is actually a lot cooler than just going to the caribbean it's different it's unique and there's no young people and it's just it was a good story you know and and we totally loved the east coast it was pretty mellow um tons of places to anchor tons of marinas to go into um there's just options galore um you know you're you can be in contact anytime there's phone service the whole time um there's people to see there's things to do um we loved it it was really cool and we didn't want it to end to be honest with you when you departed from michigan were you not thinking of doing the great loop um no we were thinking about it we it just wasn't like this goal that was set in stone we weren't ambitious about completing the great loop we were ambitious about taking a boat to the Bahamas and seeing what would happen after that. So it was it was really all up in the air. Okay, so you didn't start out the trip and say, we're going to do the Great Loop. You said, oh, we're going to take it south and maybe we won't come back. Yeah, it was kind of, it was, it was a constant subject that was up for discussion. It's not like we didn't think about doing the Great Loop. Uh, we thought about it a lot. I mean, that was the original idea came from my father who had done the great loop you know he was the one who suggested this idea and kind of planted it in our brains and enabled us to make it happen so it was definitely on my mind a lot but we were kind of we were hit or miss about it we're like let's just see what happens let's just start it let's do at least half of it and just see see how we feel but um, after the first year, there was no question that we wanted to complete it. Seems like you did accomplish that, and congratulations on that. Thank you. So do you Appreciate have any more boating uh, goals? 
myself that they won't happen but um there I, there will certainly be a life in my future um i don't know when and got a busy land loving life at the moment um a lot of good stuff going on i'm happy with it it's been a year and a half since i got back sold the boat and have been living here in michigan and you know i definitely haven't let go of that life yet let go of those few years they're very much ingrained in me and very much have shapes the way that I think and the decisions that I make and not a day goes by that I don't think about making choices to live on live and travel on a boat again um but you know I spend a lot of time thinking now how how in what way am I going to do that in what kind of boat where do I want to go who do I want to be with um you know lots of lots of things to figure out now that I know um what I'm capable of I guess so what would be your ideal boat? Uh, my dad's boat. <laughs> okay. That, that Pearson Invicta 37 that I grew up on, that I didn't care about growing up on, um, now to me has become one of the most beautiful things ever. I bet it's a lot more comfortable than Louise. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. It's in a lot better shape, that's for sure. I, I appreciate you talking to me. I noticed that you're going to, you've been going to boating conventions with Cruising Outpost. Yeah, boat shows. Boat shows, yep, with uh, Cruising Outpost. And we, Katie and I, work in the booth and sell subscriptions and other miscellaneous boating things and um, do seminars. And it's been a blast, actually. Our next one is in San Francisco area, uh, the Richmond Boat Show, first week of April. And then um, our circuit doesn't start up again until October in Newport, Rhode Island. That was about where we ended with Jesse of Jess and Kate on a boat. I really enjoyed talking to her. I've enjoyed talking to several people in uh, recent days. And in addition to Trey Benefield of Blue Moon Adventures, I just spoke to Dee Kafari, five-time circumnavigator, the first woman ever to sail non-stop unassisted east and west around the world first time against the prevailing winds and currents that record holder took some time with me last week and i can't wait to give you the episode next week i've also just recently visited the houston southwestern international boat show and while there I recorded some great seminars. Uh, thank you to the people that allowed me to record those seminars, and I will be uh, releasing them uh, in the coming months. I enjoyed the seminars from Zach Smith of Fiorentino Para Anchors, and also the seminar of Greg Kutzen. He talked about anchoring techniques. Uh, He's an interesting guy, and, you know, we might invite him on the podcast later because he has a lot of interesting stories that he just scratched the surface of in that seminar. Uh, He's also the president of Mantis Anchors, uh, a sponsor of Slow Boat Sailing, as is uh, Fiorentino Para Anchors. 
I'm pleased to announce that on March 28th and March 29th, How to Sail Around the World Part-Time, the book that dispels the myths that are keeping people from finishing the cruises of their dreams or even leaving the dock, will be free on Amazon and all its country sites between March 28th and March 29th. I believe that the, the time period is more or less focused on probably the U.S. East Coast. Thank you to everyone who made How to Sail Around the World part-time a number one bestseller on Amazon in the sailing categories. It has always gone for less than a latte at Starbucks. Nevertheless, I'm pleased to give it away free to my loyal listeners. For two days only, on March 28th and March 29th. Besides uh, my book, Slow Boat to the Bahamas and How to Sail Around the World Part-Time, we'd love it if you could like our page on Facebook. If you want to find out more about uh, my family's adventures and what we're doing on the boat, you can join the Slow Boat to the Bahamas Facebook group. How to Sail Around the World Part-Time is available as an audio album download on iTunes and Amazon.com in addition to Kindle and paperback on Amazon. Write a review for the podcast on iTunes or the books on Amazon. And check out the show notes with great links to Jesse's and Jess and Kate's blog and pictures on the blog section of slowboatsailing.com. Goodbye for now and have some fun on the water. Hi, I'm Jana Wilson. Thank you for listening to the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast. Subscribe to our free newsletter at slowboatsailing.com.